Well, thank you so much for joining us today for New City Online. We're grateful to have you wherever you might be gathered today. Rodney and I wanted to take a, a few moments before we start worship to acknowledge a few things. Um, in light of the, the killing of Ahmaud Aubrey and the subsequent conversations that have happened since and lack of justice and, and timeliness, uh, we wanted to take a moment as a church to ourselves acknowledge that. First of all, to, to lament um, and to mourn um, the loss of a young man um, and to grieve with and for his family and loved ones but also to acknowledge uh, the ongoing injustices uh, that are occurring in our nation and indeed around the world. Um, along with acknowledging that, but also examining our own hearts, I think it's, it's um, when something like this happens and unfortunately continues to happen, um, it has a, a moment in time and then the news cycle continues on and perhaps we don't take time either individually or collectively as a church family to examine our own hearts and minds. Um, and the racism that, that could be living in our own hearts and minds, whether that's active or somewhere dormant inside of us. So I do think it's important to, to not only acknowledge, but also to, to examine. Um, and then I, I, I think finally for me today, as we, we just kind of recognize and take a moment, um, is to, is to ask in our own hearts and minds, where, where is there a place for repentance and turning towards God? Um, whether it's confession of our, our own brokenness and sin in this, our complicity um, in it, um, and for God to, to move and work in our own hearts and call us towards something more. Um, Jesus' final prayer for us as his people were was to... To, that we would be one. Um, and I think when we look across our own country, we're not. We're not. And this isn't a, 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 a political issue. This isn't a, a, a red or, or a blue issue. This is a gospel issue um, that God calls us to more, that God calls us to repentance, confession, that God calls us to unity. Um, so we did want to take uh, a moment, and, and that's what this is. It's a moment, but hopefully an, an impetus for examination and more discussion and reflection individually, but also as a church family, but also time to, 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 to look to ourselves and look to the gospel and where there's a gap, particularly in the area of um, racial injustice and disparity. So um, Rodney, I know that's a lot, but um, I wondered if you might be willing to just share a few thoughts this morning and also to as we look to Jesus and we look to worship and continue our, our time together today um, to pray for us. Yeah, sure. Thank you so much. It's so good to be with you today, Chris. Um, you know, things like this for me, in examining my own heart and how I feel, you know, for me, I have mixed emotions, if I'm honest, right? You know, because I have, I've, I've been the object of racial injustice, you know, um, at gunpoint, at gunpoint. And so, for me, while I'm, I'm somewhat saddened at the reality of the world that we live in, I, I continue to be encouraged because uh, we serve a God that is so much bigger uh, than all of this. You know, the fact that I am able to sit here with you today and to be able to tell this story uh, and not have been a victim, if you will, is, is just uh, one evidence of, of God's grace and God's mercy. And so, so yes, I, I, I'm, I am saddened because it, it, it unfortunately is 
the reality of the black male existence in America. But um, I'm encouraged because, because though I don't know if, if, if this will totally go away, but I do believe and I'm trusting God that we can do so much better than, than we've been doing. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much. We just want to acknowledge, first and foremost, God, that you are a kind, a loving, and a just God. And so, God, we just come to you today, Lord, asking that you would help us to examine our own hearts today. Help us to examine our thoughts, our motives, our intents, God. But, God, we also pray that you would help us to to individually and collectively uh, walk in true and genuine repentance, God, that we would not only, God, turn away from the things that you despise, but that we would turn to you so that you can keep us safely in your hands. And so, God, we just pray today for every family that has been affected by this directly or indirectly, God, and we just pray for, for strength. We pray for peace. We pray for comfort right now, God. God, you are bigger than all of this. And so we're choosing today to allow our hope to rest in you. You are the living, you are the true, and you are the mighty God. So in spite of how we feel, in spite of what we think, we choose to honor you and serve you and believe you for a better tomorrow. Get the glory, God, in this nation, in our lives, and in your people, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
Welcome to New City. We're so glad to have you joining us today. Many of you responded to our survey last week, sharing your feelings about physical gatherings, and we want to thank you so much for doing that. Your responses have been helpful to us as we pray, as we plan, and as we prepare. Now, I do want to mention that we have another survey that we're going to be sending to you this week, and we hope that you'll take a moment to fill that one out as well because we need your help understanding how it is that you've been engaging with New City Online. So be on the lookout for an email this week with a link to that survey. And speaking of emails. We don't want you to miss out on anything that's happening here at New City. The best way for you to do that is by receiving emails from our team throughout the week. If you're not receiving those emails, please let us know you wanna be included by visiting newcity.us connect and filling out a form there. All right, now if you're new here, we'd love to meet you. And we've created an online lobby where pastors and staff members will be there to talk with you, maybe hear your story, answer any questions you may have, and get you more connected. So as soon as the service is over, some of our leaders will be there. Now to get the link for the online lobby, just text LOBBY to 704-228-4489, and a Zoom meeting link will be sent back to you. And we love hearing your stories and sharing them with our New City family. Lindsay Walter first walked into our South Park campus last September. In her own words, this is what she had to say. From the moment I walked in as a newcomer, I felt so welcomed and like I belonged. She's been coming back ever since and enjoys worshiping through New City Online. She's even um, mentioned some of her experiences on social media recently. This is what she had to say. At NewCity.us shared this message yesterday morning and it really spoke to me. I had to listen to it again because there was so much to take away from it. Guarding your heart because for everything you do flows from it. This all looks different for everyone, but in the end, God always wins. I am still holding on to and need to release in order to move on and let go. These are things from people who have hurt me or situations that didn't work out the way I wanted and I still have feelings about it. Instead, I need to release and make room in my heart for better, different, more. Secondly, how am I keeping my heart? And how can I improve? I read the Bible daily, surround myself with like-minded community, have healthy outlets and hobbies and pray. All of this is great and helps me have a positive mindset. But what about when things go wrong or I'm feeling frustrated? I need to continually stay in prayer and conversation with God throughout the day. Practice taking a deep breath more and also taking the high road when the fractured relationships in my life and in those situations where I just don't want to because that is what God does for me over and over. He continually loves, forgives, blesses, and gives me grace even when I don't deserve it. This message really made me meditate and talk to God so much and I am so thankful for the reminder and reflection I needed. Spoiler alert. God always wins. He is forever faithful. Amen. Indeed. God is, God is so, so faithful. And he's been faithful to us, New City, in this season. God continues to provide ways for us to bring gospel renewal to our city and to our world. So if you're ready to support the work that God is doing, you can go to newcity.us give to give online right now. Let's pray together for our offering. God in heaven, we just thank you so much for the privilege and for the honor to give back to you. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to use these gifts for the building of your kingdom 
and for the edification of your people. God, we pray that you will continue to make ways for your people everywhere that are less fortunate, those that are struggling in this season. Continue to show your strong and mighty hand through our giving. In Jesus' name, amen.
so grateful to have each of you today with us for New City Online and worshiping together wherever you might be. And I'm also grateful to be joined by my friend, uh, Pastor Jimmy Callum. Some of you may not know that Jimmy and I used to pastor separate churches here in the city uh, that, that chose to come together and to form what is now New City Church. And we're so grateful to be able to continue the journey together and to have Jimmy back with us preaching today. Jimmy and his wife Susie founded Tandem Spirituality, uh, a coaching and teaching and mentoring ministry, uh, not only uh, here for, for New City, we're, we're benefactors of it, but for churches all around our city and indeed the country. Um, so you can check them out uh, online, tandemspirituality.com, and find out more about their ministry. But today we're really grateful to have him delivering a really powerful word with us. And so I want to invite you to, to welcome and to join me in welcoming our friend, Pastor Jimmy Callum, to New City Church today. Thank you, Chris, and um, what a privilege to be with you today, and thank you for joining us for worship today. Uh, I'm so grateful for the opportunity, and, and, and to say that we're living in strange times is probably an understatement at this point, um, but it's driven home for me today because I'm in this room that is empty, and normally this room would be filled with people in life. And there's a lot of those things that are, are strange for all of us in these days. Like I've lost track of the day of the week. If it wasn't for the fact that I was here and it's Sunday, I probably wouldn't realize that it is Sunday. One of the things that I've missed the most in this season is sports. I, I love sports. And it's okay to look back sometimes, particularly if I'm looking back on when the Yankees won their last world championship. But, but it's just not the same. And, and, and sports companies, to me, have always been kind of ahead of the game in coming up with slogans that become very memorable. For example, if I say Nike, you probably say, just do it, because that became one of Nike's all-time great lines. And before the virus thing shut things down, uh, Under Armour had come up with one that I found to be really fascinating. They simply said, the only way is through. And they had these athletes throwing all their training and their physical exercise with the tagline, the only way is through. You know, so think about that. It really works well for life itself, doesn't it? The, the only way is through it. That's what we experience right now. We, we don't know where we get the option of going around as much as I'd like to or avoiding something or getting above it. I, I have to go through it. We, we find that true in our daily lives. The, the, cri the crisis has had a loss of life, and there's no doubt about that. And I don't want to minimize the loss of life that has been there. But there's a lot of other things that people are going through. For example, the, the loss of jobs. you got to go through that. Businesses going under. The, the strain on family relationships, rising debt, anxiety, and uncertainty and fear that begin to dominate people's lives. And we don't have any choices. We have to go through it. But because times of crisis provide that reality, there's also a landscape for something else. It's the desperate search for hope. Times like we're living in now and, and times like we went through, the world went through both after World War I and World War II were times of crisis. I want you to listen to a, a letter written by a German soldier to his wife towards the end of World War II. He was in Stalingrad on the Russian front. And here's what he said. We're entirely alone. Without hope, 
from the outside, Hitler has left us in a lurch. The Fuhrer made a promise to bail us out of here. They read it to us, and we believed it firmly. Even now, I still believe it. Now listen to this, because I have to believe in something. If it were not true, what else could I believe in? So leave me my faith, dear Greta. All my life, at least the last eight years of it, I believe the Fuhrer and his world. Failed expectations. But, but not only from a repressive dictator, but from life itself. We, we live in a broken world, which by the way means that nobody's going to go through this world unbroken. Difficult things happen that we have no control over. And to that we make, add to that, we make our own foolish decisions that leave us with consequences that we don't like. And all this begins to help us to understand why disappointment is so pervasive. It seems that we're confronted with disappointment so often and so convincingly that hope starts to look like, well, it just kind of feels dumb to hope. We get disappointed in ideals. The, 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 the way of living that we long for, that we want, that we think we deserve begins to crumble around us. Romance, it fails, it fades. Careers get taken away. People we trusted in let us down. We get disappointed in ourselves. And maybe even you're at the point where you're disappointed in God himself. When all human hope lets us down, where do you look for hope? It's only then that we might be ready to go for true hope and salvation that's been there all along that we would actually turn to God to find the hope that we long for. I want us today to go back, to, to go way back in time. Thousands of years ago, when a man by the name of Isaiah lived and, and spoke God's word to his people Israel, God, God's people at the time Isaiah spoke were in their own time of crisis. And here, here's the situation the way it was. Isaiah was a prophet, which simply means he was speaking to God, for God, to the people. And they were under a threat from the Assyrian Empire. And that's the first 39 chapters of this book. And God's people had failed in three primary ways. A lack of trust in God. A constant flirtation with idols. And, and an idol is simply something that turns my heart towards it more than God to give me satisfaction and hope in life. They're not just little carved wooden statues. They're they're the reality that my heart gets turned and I'm going to find satisfaction and hope in something other than God. And then the third thing was the lack of social justice, the way they treated one another. It's not too much of a stretch to take those three things, a lack of trust in God, the flirtation with idols, and the lack of social justice and pull them from thousands of years ago in the Israel that Isaiah spoke into and bring it into our world today. Now a major shift happens in the book in the 40th chapter because the 40th chapter takes place now historically events that are 100 years after Isaiah died. See a prophet not only spoke into his culture of the day but he had the ability to see down the line, to see into the future and speak on behalf of God. And so 100 years after his death the threat is no longer Assyria, the threat is now Babylon. 
And Isaiah delivers these words in this message of hope that comes in chapters 40 to 66. But not only to the threat of Babylon, Isaiah looks beyond that and he sees into the day when Jesus would come to this earth and live and also even into the ultimate future when there's the new heaven and the new earth. All of that is the context for the passage I want us to consider this morning. So if you have your Bibles, would you take them and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 7, or maybe it's your tablet, or maybe it's your smartphone, but I want us to go over to this chapter because that's where we want to center our thoughts today. Listen to the words of Isaiah chapter 43, beginning in verse 1. But now thus saith the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I've redeemed you, I've called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire it shall not be burned, and the flame will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you, people in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I shall bring your offspring from the east and from the west I will gather you and I will say to the north, give up and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who's called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. What a passage. But, but, but what the people of God needed to realize is we, we have a problem. There's a problem that exists. The people are in captivity in Babylon and those who remained in Jerusalem were in a shattered, broken land and hope was in a scarce supply, if not all gone. But that wasn't the real problem. The real problem was them. If you go back in the 42nd chapter, it sums up what the issue is very clearly. He says this in verse 18 of chapter 42, hear you deaf and look you blind you must, that you may see. Who is blind but my servant or deaf as my messenger whom I send? Who is blind as my dedicated one or blind as the servant of the Lord? Listen, he sees many things but does not observe them. His ears are open but they do not hear. He's not talking about the godless nations that surround. He's not talking about Babylon. He's talking about his own people. Folks, is it possible that in the midst of the crisis that we're in, that we want it so desperately to change, that that we haven't possibly gone deaf and blind to who God is and his word and how he wants us to live? That was certainly true for Israel. Their current condition was the result of their choices and God placing them in captivity. Verse 24 in chapter 42 says, Who gave up Jacob to the looter and Israel to the plunderers? Was it not the Lord against whom we sinned? I love the passage in Jeremiah who was a prophet for God during that time, after Isaiah. And Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter 21, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Wow. Oh, the crisis was real. Whether you were in exile living in a foreign land or whether you were still in your homeland that was now shattered and broken, that crisis was real. But the real problem was them. Wouldn't you think that that would be enough to get them to change? But nothing changed. 
The 42nd chapter ends with the people refusing to listen to God, refusing to change their ways. The problem remained an insensitivity to what God longs for us to do, to listen to his word and follow the design for how he wants us to live. That's still the issue I wrestle with today. Will I listen to him and change the way I live to reflect how he longs for me to live? Their their lack of doing this, the lack of showing off this covenant God who had been there for them comes out of the reality that their inner being, they're turning and opening their hearts to God where it all needs to begin had never happened. Well, it's out of that hopelessness that comes one of the great buts of scripture. And that's how chapter 43 begins. But, but now, God is going to do something. Something that isn't deserved and something that reflects his character. Here's the amazing thing. What he's going to do is what he always does. He's going to pour out his grace. But now. See, I want you to understand this. That the foundational fundamental principle of God's kingdom is that his grace precedes everything else. Let me say that to you again. The the fundamental foundational principle of God's kingdom is that his grace precedes everything else. There are a lot of different definitions for grace. This is one that I came across from an author that I really like. Grace is simply this. It's unmerited favor given to an undeserving recipient. By the way, that's you and me by an unobligated giver. Isn't that good? The, the unmerited favor of God giving to, given to you and me, we don't deserve any of it. And yet he gives it to us and he's not obligated to do it. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, there, there was no way that man could ever recover and reestablish his relationship with God. It has always been only God who can redeem the situation. He did it Years before Isaiah prophesied, when he rescued his people from Egypt. You know, it's fascinating when you think about the sequencing of it. God takes his children who've been in 400 years of slavery in Egypt, and he miraculously brings them out of that slavery. And then he gives them the law on Mount Sinai. Sinai does not precede Exodus. The giving of the law on Mount Sinai follows deliverance. Because obedience is never, produce, never produces deliverance. Gracious deliverance should bring forth obedience to who God is and what he wants. But now, that's how it begins. And it doesn't signal a change in any of us. It, it declares the grace of God front and center. It's not our repentance. It's only God himself. The people had done nothing to change. And that God, it's God who says, but now. If there's ever to be found hope for humanity, ever hope to be found for you and me, it will always come from God's side, not ours. Look at the progression of the commitments from this amazing God to us in those opening verses. He created us, he formed us, he redeemed us, by the way, past tense, called us by name, and then I love this, he said, you're mine. And the response that you and I should give to this gracious giving God is not to fear. If he's done all those things, 
not to fear. I, Isaiah presents, I love the language of the prophets. It's, it's, it's powerful language, it's poetic language. And Isaiah presents truth in a manner that's meant to stir our hearts, creating this emotional impact on our lives that breaks open the eyes of our heart and blows past any apathetic condition of our heart to capture our wills to change the way we live. The, the language here is, is progressively more and more intimate and possessive. We are his. Look at verse three. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. And then he says this, your savior. It's not about what we deserve. It's about who we belong to. And God makes it very clear to his people here that they belong to him, that he's their savior and they're his people. In the midst of whatever you're going through in these days, I, I hope you'll let those words wash over you. Because that same God who made that promise to his people Israel makes that promise to you and me through his son Jesus. He's created you. He's formed you. He's redeemed you by the work of Christ on the cross. And you're his. So don't fear because he's our savior. But, but as you let that soak in and it begins to serve stir a, a hope within us here's the crazy flip side of it all <laughs> we're, we're not immune to this broken world that we live in and, and that's verses two and three when you pass through the waters I will be with you when you walk through fire you shall not be burned I, I'll be honest with you I hate those words because there's a certainty to those words because I don't want to go through difficult times I want to avoid them. I want to go around them. And some of you may be saying, wait a second, didn't trusting Jesus mean I got a hall pass? But doesn't God want me to be healthy and wealthy and problem-free? After all, this is America, Jim. <laughs> well, I don't know what you're reading or what you're listening to, but I can tell you what's promised in the Scripture. And what's promised in the Scripture is struggle. Listen to the words of Jesus. In this world, you will have tribulation. Not you may, not if, but you will have tribulation. But take heart, he said, I've overcome the world. And then James in his letter says this, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters. Listen, when you meet trials of various kinds, not if, but when. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Grief Observed, said this, we, we were promised sufferings. They were part of the program. We were even told, blessed are they that mourn, and I accept it. I've got nothing that I hadn't bargained for. We're not immune. I, I said it earlier, I want to say it again. You will not go through this life in a broken world and remain unbroken. Now that brokenness may look different for each of us. We may find ourselves in different places under different circumstances, but you're not gonna live through this broken world and not find it impacting your life. You say, well, if that's the case, then, then where is it that I find my hope? It's a fair question. What, what is it that God does promise and, and where do we find hope? Let me suggest four things to you this morning. 
The first is this. You find hope in the grace and the salvation that God has offered. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. There's no mention of Israel changing their ways. There's no mention of a nationwide repentance when God says, but now thus saith the Lord, here's what I've done for you. We're we're promised and we find hope in the grace and the salvation that God has poured out through his son Jesus. The the second thing is this, we find hope through his presence, through all of life. We're never alone And there's no need to let fear control. Twice in these seven verses, he says to them, don't fear. Why? Because I'm with you. Now, there's no need to let fear control. We'll never experience complete absence of fear. If you think somehow, living the Christian life, I can get to the point where there's absolutely no fear in my life, I think that's a misunderstanding. What we can experience, however, is not allowing fear to control us. That the presence of God and the promise of his presence, no matter what the circumstances, can take the place that fear has perhaps dominating my life and dominating my heart and and put it in a different place in my life. His grace and salvation, his presence, but then also this, I find hope in the valued position that he gives me. Look down at verse 4. Because you are, listen to these words, precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. Well, when you wake up tomorrow morning and, and you look for hope, can you, can you go to Isaiah 43 and verse 4 and recognize that that's the valued position you have in the eyes of God, that you're precious in his eyes, that you're honored by him, and that you're loved by him. Tomorrow morning, I I wish I could wake up and all of the COVID-19 issues are gone. The world is completely healthy again. That's probably not going to be the case. But what I can do tomorrow morning is wake up and realize the valued position I have in the eyes of God. Precious in his eyes. Loved by him. Honored by him. And then the last thing is this just the relentless pursuit that he has of us. You see this? I I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. I'm going to call to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west to bring my people back to me. He's never going to stop pursuing. And if I go thousands of years past Isaiah to the time of Jesus, he sent his only son. Why? Because there was a relentless pursuit of of us he wants relationship and that's where hope is found not not in circumstances changing not in the world returning to quote-unquote normal but rather hope is found in God who has always been pursuing a relationship an eternal relationship with each of us you see relationship is at the core of biblical faith it's at the core of the gospel it's not first of all an adherence to some set of intellectual principles it's not the acceptance of some kind of behavioral direction or the adoption of a set of moral moral norms It's not even just a transaction, but it's a transforming relationship. To to personally relate on a day-by-day basis with this gracious, good, redeeming God 
who sacrificed his son so relationship with him was possible. And folks, that's where hope is found. And, and, and when everything else around you may be disappointing you, it, it may have led you to a place of disillusionment. I, I can't promise, nobody can promise that anything is going to change. Not today, not tomorrow, maybe not next year. Who knows? But I can promise us this. That in this grace-giving God, who, who provided that grace before we ever did anything to deserve it, who longs to be in a relationship, not just in this world, but for all of eternity with us, I can find a hope that not only has to wait for eternity, but a hope that's real in the midst of my life today. You may not know the name Edward Mote. He was a hymn writer, lived in the 1800s. And in 1834, he wrote what is probably the most famous of his hundred-some hymns that he wrote. It was in a book of hymns called um, The Gospel Hymns. And it's called, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. And, and the first stanza of that hymn declares God's grace. And stanzas two and three concern the application of that grace in times of trouble. Listen to the words. Many of you are probably familiar with them. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. The chorus is familiar. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. That's the promise of this God who gives us hope in his son Christ. But listen to the second and third stanzas. When darkness veils his lovely face, maybe right now you don't see Christ working in your life. It's like the hymnist said. When darkness veils his lovely face. But listen, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, and I think these days would classify for that, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath his covenant, his blood, support me in the overwhelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Oh, how I'd love nothing more than to be able to be prophetic this day and tell you that the world's going to get better. It's all going to be fine. All the, all the economic hardship, all the issues that everybody's facing, the mental fatigue, the anxiety, the fears, they're all going to disappear. But I'd be a false prophet if I did that. I can desire it, and I do, but I can't promise it. And neither does God. But what he does promise is himself. And what he does promise is the salvation that we have through Jesus, not through our own efforts. What he does promise is that he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. And what he does promise is this unique personal relationship that he has with us, that he longs to see us lean into and lean on and find our hope securely resting in him. Let's pray together. Father, how I thank you 
I thank you on this Sunday in the midst of life like none of us could have imagined. In the midst of all the things that we wish were different. In the midst of all the things that if we could wave a magic wand we would change tomorrow. But Father the truth is that may or may not happen. And tomorrow may look a lot like today and a lot like yesterday did and a lot like last week did. But Father, what we can promise is the hope that's found in you. A grace-giving God that made possible a relationship with you. Oh, it's so much more than a transaction. It's so much more than a, a ticket out of hell and into eternity with you. It's the promise of a life-changing relationship with the God of this universe through his son, Jesus, our Savior. Father, help us in the midst of it all to be able to lift our eyes beyond the world that you put us in to see you and to recognize that you've never left your throne, you've never stopped being in control, and that you're moving all this towards this larger story of yours which will bring us into a new heaven and new earth someday. Father, we, we weep with those who've lost loved ones. We, we, we struggle with those who are financially in difficult places. But Father, may we learn to turn our eyes ultimately to you and to our Savior Jesus, the solid rock on where our hope is found. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Jimmy, for an awesome message today. If you want to go further with the sermon, we'd encourage you to check out our sermon study guide. It's available on the New City app. You can use it individually, as a family, as a group to go further with the message today. Also, we have an online lobby available right now. After each of our services online, it's a place to connect with one of our teammates to go further to figure out how you can take next steps at New City. And we'd love to connect with you now. There's a phone number at the bottom of your screen that you can text to join our online lobby now. If you're able, would you extend your hands as we close our worship time together with a benediction? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and turn his face towards you. And may the Lord today and always fill you with his peace and his mercy, and his hope. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. We love you, New City, and we're praying for you this week.